Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Camp. Routes 11 and 15, almost wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory available. With a great sales staff to get it done, work with you, and a service department to back it up. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Glenn, in a moment, first our play-by-play call of the day. Let's get the World Series started with a bang. Two balls and no strikes on Jorge. The pitch on the way. Solar leads off the World Series of the home run, set the tone. Braves won last night in Game 1, 6-2. Game 2 is tonight at Minute Maid Park. In fact, all day over at Local Wise, uh, uh, Matt was buying uh, Minute Maid juice. It's, you know. That's right. Because you're, you're just a big fan. You get influenced by advertising easily. All right, so... <laughs> All right, here we go. Glenn, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Let's talk about the Eagles. Sure, why not? That was our attitude going in. All right, so, (laughs) Glenn, um, how tough is this when the margin of error is so thin for this team? Well, it's tough bordering on impossible. Um, They don't have a lot of talent. Um, They don't have uh, a coaching staff that appears to be adept at putting together a game plan or changing that game plan. Um, They have a a young quarterback who looks a little lost at sea out there. Uh, And they've had some injuries. So you put that formula together, and uh, winning seems close to impossible. Okay, so, so let's let's talk about what's right. You see Devontae Smith. What are you seeing in him? Because he's, he's going to be a long-term solution. What do you see in him that allows him to be that? Yeah, um, you know, and the easy answer is speed. But it's, it's speed, but it's not just speed down the field. It's speed off the line. Uh, and one of the concerns going in with him was, hey, he's a really small guy. You know, a quarterback's going to line up, whack him at the line of scrimmage, and he's going to fall over. But he gets off the line of scrimmage so quickly, gets into his route so quickly, that the cornerback, more often than not, can't touch him. So they have to respect him, so they have to move back a couple of yards. And that's really good. Um, He runs good routes. Uh, His hands have been pretty good. I think he's had one or two drops, but nothing serious. It's the kind of thing where if they could get him the ball on a more consistent basis, boy, he'd uh, he could be rookie of the year. Uh, don't know that that's going to happen though. 
See, but then, then let's flip it to the other side. See, Smith is what Rager should have been last year. Sure. And still, is, and still isn't this year. No. Yeah, I think that no. To me, that's a problem, that a first-round pick was wasted on a guy that a lot of us, me, I mean, I said it the day they drafted him. I go, why? I don't get it. Um, and I think that's a problem. Yeah, I think that is a problem. Um, you know, he 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 makes poor decisions, uh, not just not just in pass routes, but uh, they have him as the kick returner, and he'll catch a ball five yards in the end zone and run it out to the eighteen yard line. Like, what what are you doing there? What are you thinking there? Yeah. Um, he makes a lot of mistakes. He too has speed, but he hasn't figured out how to use it. I will tell you the one other thing: if you're looking for uh, upside, you're looking for good points. Yes. Quez Watkins, who's the second uh, round, uh, excuse me, the second year receiver, fifth rounder, I believe, last year. It may be off mm-hmm. by around, but I think he was a fifth rounder last year. He's really good, and he's a deep threat. And again, if you had a quarterback and you had an offensive line and you had a, a coach able to scheme this. Quez Watkins' name could be known around the league right now because he's he has the potential to be a star. Absolutely agree with that. That's a great point, Glenn. Uh, no Miles Sanders right now. Obviously, we've talked about the ability to get the ball into his hands. What do you think the the future of Miles Sanders can be with Philadelphia? I mean, is the future in Philadelphia? I don't think it is because you know he's going to be nearing the end of his contract. There was there was actually some little bit of talk last week that, uh, you know, maybe they could trade him before the deadline. Well, the the ankle sprain changes that, of course, and he's not going to get traded. But why would you sign uh, a a running back to a second contract if you don't plan to use him? And so it, it, it would be a foolish move by the Eagles, and it would be a foolish move by Miles Sanders to stay here any longer than he has to. You know, we know Running backs have a certain number of years, certain number of carries in them. Uh, yep. He should not waste those years here to get the ball eight times a game. It just it doesn't make sense for anybody. So I know there's only one ball. I've done enough games in my career. Even I get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So you can't get the ball to Miles Sanders, every player, whatever. But what has been Nick Sirianni's explanation for, at times, the lack of usage from Miles Sanders? Boy, you're asking me to, to figure out what this coach is saying. Um, this is a coach who went, did a whole three-minute metaphor on, on the team is the flower and we have to put down the roots and the fertilizer and the sunshine today oh, that geez. left everybody baffled. Great. So, oh, wonderful. That's fun. Yeah, so that was that was one. So I'm trying to think, what what is he saying about Miles Sanders? Mostly he says, yeah, that's on me. That, that's pretty much his explanation, that's on me. Or we thought we saw something. Um, you know, here's the shame of it. The shame is last week they come out um, and they finally use them, right? Early on, the first yep. drive, um, 67 yards, they go down the field, eight plays. Um, he runs the ball. He, he carries the ball, and he does it effectively. And then that's it. And then, I mean, he got hurt in the second possession, uh, but they just dropped the, stopped running the ball. They didn't give it to Gainwell. They got four first downs. Uh, for the rest of the half, and they were done. And he, the coach just gave up on the run. Even with Sanders out, he should have stuck with the run. He's got Gainwell, he's got Boston Scott, and he just yep. gave up on it. I think, I, I just don't think that's part of his package. All right. What have you thought of the defense? It's one thing, a defense can go out there, they can either get stops or they can get takeaways and set up the offense short in the field. Where's the defense deficient right now that's not giving them more opportunities? 
it, it's all three. It's all three phases. Uh, the defensive line is not getting pressure. Uh, I think you and I talked about Fletcher Cox last time I was on. His yeah. season's a washout. He came out after the game, kind of took a veiled shot at the defensive coordinator, saying, you know, I, I don't make the scheme around here. I, I should be rushing the passer, not covering screen passes. And he's, he's right. Uh, you know, a player shouldn't take a shot at his coach publicly, but the statement was not incorrect. Um, anyway, the defensive line isn't getting pressure. The linebackers have been bad on this franchise for years. You know, um, Singleton gets tackles, right? But his tackles mm-hmm. are all after a guy drags him for eight yards. It's like the old westerns where the, the bad guy gets stuck on the, on the horse, behind the horse, yeah, dragged by right. the horse. Exactly. That's him trying to tackle a runner. And the, um, the secondary is maybe not as bad as the rest, but not very good. Derek Carr was 31 for 34 last week. I don't know that you did that in the backyard when you were 12 years old. I know. Well, I know I never did. My goodness, I mean, if I threw 34 times, I'd have had Hertz's numbers. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and even then it would have been iffy. Uh, yeah. You notice in this entire conversation so far, I haven't brought up Jalen. Yeah. Right, so, so I saved it for now. Yeah. Uh, where is he better? Because now he's got he's got more games under his belt as a starter now than he did last year, and where is he treading water? Well, the problem is the arrow's really been down the last couple of weeks. I, I thought he he had a couple of good games early in the season, and I thought even with you know the the head coaches, the offense quarters inexperience, Hertz was making some things happen, but. Um, He's he's really trended down. Um, the accuracy has not been good. Uh, he waits too long on patterns. He'll have a guy, you know, it's the NFL. If somebody's open, they're going to be open for a half of a second. That's mm-hmm. when you got to throw it. you got to get it in that window. And he doesn't. He waits. You see it on the replay. You know, somebody's open 10, 12, 15 yards down the field and has his arm up and the ball's not thrown yet. So he has a tough time spotting open receivers, which is very problematic. His accuracy is not good. Um, what I like about the kid is he, he's got very good leadership skills, um, mm-hmm. which is, I think, important even as the team is kind of falling apart. Um, he's gutsy. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, that's the, it's like all of the things that aren't actually in the play of the game. In the play of the game, he's obviously very elusive. He's a good runner. Um, although he hasn't figured out when and where to run. But um, one of the big challenges right now with the Eagles is how much of their deficiency is the coach, how much is the quarterback, how much is talent. Can we fairly judge Jalen Hurts for the future when he's in this bad of a situation? And that's the decision the Eagles are going to have to make at the end of the year. Yeah, because my, I think for the most part, the quarterback you see in college, you are who you are. Now, you can get a little bit better as the game slows down at the next level. But to be honest with you, he's playing the way he did at Alabama and Oklahoma. He's just doing another pro stage, doing the same things. Yeah, and the Las Vegas Raiders are a little bit better than some of the teams. Listen, they played a good schedule in college, but yeah. playing against much better talent right now. No doubt. And uh, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, Vanderbilt, Raiders, 
Raiders, right. Vanderbilt. Right. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. It's a yeah, little okay. bit different. You don't you don't have that margin for error that well, you had uh, going but, up against old Vandy. You know, but it's interesting about that because Najee Harris led the nation in broken tackles last year. Well, you notice with the Steelers right now, that's not happening. Okay? Right. He's not being tackled by the Ole Miss defense. And he's exactly. not being hit and he's not being hit five yards downfield first on first contact either. A little right. bit different. Yeah. So how do you how do you view Detroit this weekend, this matchup? I don't <laughs> listen. Uh, I hate this question. Uh so, uh, so, so I, the Lions I, I have can, not won a game. Yeah. Uh and the Lions have not won a game on merit. Um nope. I have not watched them much, to be honest with you, because they're the Lions. They don't come on my television. Um, but I don't. I, I can't pick the Eagles to win anybody right to beat anybody right now. And I, I what I don't know out of Detroit is: are they hanging in? You know, they have the first-year coach Dan Campbell, and he's the real tough guy. We're going to bite their ankles and all that stuff, bite their kneecaps, yeah, yeah. whatever it was. Right. And. Um, if they're hanging in and and Detroit wants to win, I think they can win this game. And I think the Eagles are this close to kind of being so dispirited that the entire season goes down the tubes. Um, because I think things are, are pretty de- – uh, I wish desperate. Desperate means you want to win. I think yeah. things are pretty disconsolate around here right now. I think uh, the veteran players are not happy with the coach. Uh, I think that the defense is very dejected. I think there's no voice in that coach's room that commands respect. And I think the Eagles are in the precipice. You know, again, you can beat Detroit um, because Detroit has a lot of talent. But if they don't beat Detroit, I just see this thing tumbling. I apologize for the last question, but you knew I had to ask it. And it's just, I, I don't blame you for saying you hate answering a question like that. Well, that's I don't all right. blame you at all. Glenn, appreciate you so much. Thanks for the the great answers. Hey, it's always my pleasure. Anytime. Thanks. Glenn Mack now joining us from the Eagles Network. Well, see now, normally Matt will hang up on the guest, but now Matt has a series of questions for Glenn where he wants honest answers, direct answers. (laughs) No, I, I think we got him, which is why I brought him on for this particular week. Because Glenn doesn't hold back, and that's what I like about him. Doesn't hold back. Yeah. And again, I, I go back to, are you sure Mark and Luke don't go to a mall court and boo Santa Claus? <laughs> I just want to know. No. 100% no. <laughs> All of you out there with cell phones, I want video evidence. <laughs> <laughs> We'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Hands on their feet. Rally towels are being waved. Brad Lidge stretches. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008. World Champions of Baseball! Combination of an awesome Phillies moment, their second ever championship with the voice of Harry Callis. Okay. There, are you happy now? Happy about what? I don't care. I didn't care who won the thing. I'm not even sure I was watching. 
Um, so, yeah. I think I was watching. I remember but, watching. Well, of course you were. I mean, you were sitting there like, which is the Yankees. <laughs> no, I, I was I was genuinely happy for the Phillies. Well, you think about the that franchise. You don't get your first title to 1980? I mean, the Marlins have as many titles as the Phillies do. Correct. The Diamondbacks are one behind. But that was a great moment. That was a great team. In fact, I, you know, honestly, I thought they would beat the Yankees in 2009. I really did. Um, but, yeah. So, there we are. That was their championship. I mean, am I happy now? I'm just saying, you know, a great moment for the fans in our area. You bypassed it to yell about something. <laughs> Just totally bypass a nice little anniversary, make the, make the fans feel good. No, no, no. You think they're going to feel better by depressing them. Oh, good. Just sent the timing sheet. Great. 7.44 is kickoff. How about that? Wow. And it will be with the A-team on ABC, Fowler and Herbie, but College Game Day, of course, is going to be in Sparty. Well, it should be. It's two undefeated teams. Yes. It should be. That's the right right spot to be in. Script Ohio happens at 14 and a half minutes. Thank goodness it's only four letters. All right. um... Hey, we're going to do script Pennsylvania. Oh, geez, we're going to be here for a month. <laughs> no, senor! No, senor! No, senor! <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right. All right. Great to have you with us on the show today. And uh, a lot going on. This is a great time. I ran down all those high school football games. You were impressed, by the way. I knew all those games. I was. You're kind of in shock that I had all those games. But, yeah, there you go. Okay. i got to work something out here because Thursday, November 18th, we have a basketball game at 7 o'clock, and, of course, we got the talk show on Thursday. I can tell you right now which one I'm not doing. <laughs> I pretty much know the answer as well. It's like, I mean, I will tell them. I said, ah, you know, I'm not doing that. Okay. Uh, we're not taking a pay cut just so I can sit there. Uh, <laughs> simple as that. <laughs> Let's take a. Um, yeah, you know, we could get the suit to fill in. Oh, just think of the just think of the uh, of the legal problems, all the lawsuits. all the restraining orders that would have to be violated to do that. 
that certainly could cause a stir, I'm sure. Well, we're going to talk with Chelsea Janes coming up from the Washington Post in the next half hour about the World Series. Great to have you with us. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kier Roots 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com and News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Was I too quick on the touchdown, Penn State? Because the reason I go that quick instead of drawing out like touchdown, like Shikalemi, where it goes into Monday, that it gives Jack <laughs> that it gives Jack a chance to speak. Am I wrong about that? No. Not at all. I thought it was fine. By the way, for the 20-something consecutive year going there or whatever, they're not asking me to dot the I. All right, so <laughs> I don't understand why. Right, uh, <laughs> Who would want to anyway, really? Uh, Jack Nichols teared up when he did it. All right, well, I guess that's a special moment. Well, if you're an Ohio State guy, it's like, what does it take to dot an eye? I mean, really. All right, so <laughs> I'll just go vomit somewhere else and be done with it. Oh, you're just such a <laughs> Philadelphia guy. Come on. This is what you go home and teach your kids? <laughs> Not quite to that extent, no. All right. I'm just jacking. Sean Clifford today in his press conference. I feel good. Obviously, I didn't feel 100% last week, but at the same time, I felt good enough to play. I'm going to be probably 100% this week. I'm doing everything I can to put the best product in the field. hate when the player contradicts the host of the show. Co-host, that'd be you. <laughs> you, and he don't, you, know, you and he don't see eye to eye on him. Only he knows him. I'm just surprised that it. it I, I'm just. I just didn't because think it was going to be this quick. Because you don't know what he had, or okay, that's why everybody. If you don't know, don't guess. Okay, I've heard enough guesses, and I think I've been very polite about nodding my head about. Uh huh. Okay, that's what you think. I've been very polite about it. Okay. <laughs> Okay. And believe me, everybody's tried to drag it out of me. (laughs) Right, Matt? (laughs) Even the king did last week. He got nothing. (laughs) All right. All right. So let's get to the World Series again. Chelsea James joins us from the Washington Post. Chelsea, number one. Great to have you with us. I guess it's true. I guess they're telling me that you got booed one time in Atlanta. Thank you for having me. All right, so is it true that you were once booed at Turner Field 
and that's why the Braves moved north. <laughs> I don't know if there's a correlation. I've never confirmed it, uh, but it is true. I tried to throw a ball to some kids, and I just, like, totally missed them, and everyone thought I was – it was so bad, everyone thought I did it on purpose. So, was, you know, I'll never forget it. <laughs> uh, unfortunately. And then, of course, I had to remind you of it. Yeah, way to go. Great host. <laughs> No, I'm proud of it. <laughs> Who gets to get booed? Very few people. <laughs> That's right. So I know, uh, I know. For me, and uh, I haven't had the basketball experience yet of getting back until uh, like a couple, three weeks from now. But in the football experience, after announcing games in empty stadiums last year, which I did, I'm now doing games with a hundred thousand plus, and it's totally different. What's it been like for you to cover games again with fans and stands? It's awesome. I mean, I'm, the first day I got to do that was at Yankee Stadium on opening day, and there were only like 10,000 people, and I, you know, it felt like there were 100,000. It was, it was one of those things where you get chills and you're like, wow, it's amazing that we just got to do this for years and we never appreciated it for what it is. It's, it's so special, and it's really amazing that, that we're back doing it. We know what the perception was of the Houston Astros two years ago, and they were able to get through last season with no issue because there was nobody there to boo them. By getting there now five consecutive years, you know, whether, you know, division title and now getting to another World Series, are they changing their perception nationally or is that still hanging over them? You know, I think that there's always going to be a really vocal, potentially minority, maybe majority, who are going to hold the cheating against them for a really long time. Um, I think naturally you're always going to be suspicious of what comes after something like that. Um, but I think what they're showing is like the real tragedy of it all is that they never really needed sign stealing to be one of the best hitting teams, right. you know, of this generation. I mean, they're they're loaded. They have an AL batting title winner hitting seventh right now, and <laughs> you can't argue with it. You know, it's they're so good. And I think, you know, from what I hear from people around the game, the changes that MLB has made to monitor for the kind of stealing signs that the Astros did make it very hard to do that again. I mean, it doesn't mean they're not doing anything doesn't mean other teams haven't figured out other ways but you know it, they're not doing what they were doing and I think that they have proven that without doing that they are just as prolific offensively and so to get back to this point this many years in a row is a huge achievement and I think if they win one now a few years removed different coaches largely different players other than the big kind of few in the infield um, they'll shed as much of it as they can shed it'll always be there but you know, all they can sort of do is prove that they can do it without it. And, you know, I think they're kind of well on their way to doing that. And the batting champ she's referring to is Yuri Gurriel, who is a pro's pro hitter. Man, he is a pro at the plate. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's get to, obviously, the pitching part of this. We know how regular season plays out. We also know how analytics play out. Um, watching the number of moves that people are making. Is it, in your opinion, and that, and you, you can kind of judge by words and how they use, are they doing this because, look, it's the postseason, short leash, no matter what, first sign of trouble, we move? Or are they doing it so they can explain later, well, he was in trouble, so I made a move? You know, it's, it does sort of make sense for each individual move. I think you're seeing starters kind of get pulled really early. I think in the past, I think one of the, there's two things that play. I think I think one, starting pitchers are exhausted right now. Um, you know, they are certainly used to pitching, you know, a full season of innings, but they didn't do it last year, 
And anyone in player development will tell you that, you know, you never want to put anyone's arm through an innings jump that is, you know, even 50% more than the innings they threw last year, let alone three times the number of innings. So you're just seeing guys being more tired. And I think that, like, sort of the new development, as Dusty Baker said yesterday, is, is now if a starter is struggling, you don't play the long game. You don't watch him and say, you know what? We need to save our bullpen for game four. You assume that if you have a chance to win this game, if it's not out of hand, you have to play to win that game. And that's sort of the conventional wisdom now. And so, um, you know, I think you're seeing a lot of moves on starters early. The patience isn't there. Whether that's right or wrong, it certainly can be annoying to people. But, um, you know, it's just kind of a part of things right now. I don't know how long that'll stay. I think there will be talks about ways to sort of, you know, ensure starters staying the game longer. But, you know, I think, like, in a vacuum, each of the moves makes some sense. But it's just a different approach and it slows the game down and, and you kind of wish they didn't have to be made. So I, you know, I think it's going to have to be kind of a structural change to, to eliminate that, but it's, it certainly makes these games drag more than they potentially need to. Well, it's interesting about that. Let's, let's have a little fun with this for a moment. It's interesting how you can win 95 games doing it one way, or in the Braves case, I think it was 88 and enough to get you here. And now you completely change how you play once you get there. <laughs> That's what yes. I find is so interesting. You somehow, some way, under the old way, won ninety-five games and eighty-eight, and now it's not good enough. That's what I always find interesting about this. It is fascinating, and I think like whether or not that is a bad thing is something that I've never decided. Because it, is it more fun that it's kind of wild this time of year and a free-for-all and everybody's available and all this stuff like? You know, I don't know, but it's certainly true. And I think um, more and more, like, the regular season is moving this way, too, which is why you sort of have to adjust. You know, I know one thing that's been on the table, you know, Max Scherzer, the you know, Cy Young kind of winner guy, he, uh, as we all know, he, he wants to tie the DH to the starting pitcher, right? So you get a DH as long as your starter's in the game. Right. As soon as you pull him you know, then you have to pinch hit and stuff. So stuff like that. There's got to be incentives to sort of keep guys in. But it is crazy that, that how much things change this time of year. And it makes it really hard to build a roster to win a World Series. I mean, Alex Anthopoulos of the Braves the other night, who has obviously built a team that went to the World Series, said, I still have no idea how to build a team that gets to the World Series. Because it, it, it just gets random. Right? Things get weird. And, you know, it's it's really strange. I think that's fun in some ways. But I think it's also maddening to people who – you know, look at a team built to win, you know, 105, 106 games, and neither of those teams is in the World Series. Exactly, yeah, exactly right. Uh, is there anything hanging over this World Series because on midnight December 1st, the collective bargaining agreement is up? I think so. Um, you know, it's it's tense. I think that that's going to be the story of the offseason, unfortunately. Um, you know, both sides kind of say the right things about being optimistic about getting something done by December 1st. I don't see how that happens. It might not necessarily bleed into the next season, but there's just a lot of issues. There's a lot of big-time frustrations that the players have. The owners don't think there's that much wrong, and, and so that clash is going to be substantial. And you know, this is a sport that needs to broaden its audience. It needs to find a way to sort of re-entrench itself in places where it's lost ground. And to have labor issues still even some of the intrigue of the off season, but certainly any of the regular season, I think would be hugely problematic. And I, I think that people realize that. I think there is an understanding that you can't afford, especially after the losses of COVID, to shut things down for any substantial length of time. But 
you know, the people who negotiate these things, they have they have a lot on the line. They have personal things on the line. They have, you know, frustration in play. And uh, I'm not sure how it'll all go, but it's it's a scary time, I think. I, I don't think – I think this is a big one. I think whether they kick the can down the road or not, you know, there's some, some big kind of clashes looming there. And what's interesting about it is I, I'd like to get your gauge since you're there every day because, I mean uh, – I felt like the last two months of the season with everybody opening up the gates, because some people had limited time, you know, in terms of when they opened up fully and so forth. I felt like the last couple of months they were really gaining some momentum with the game and the fan. Did you get that sense too? I did, and their ratings were really good early in the postseason, you know, compared to what they normally are. There was real excitement. I think they, you know, suffered for – you know, a lot of their big stars kind of not being able to make it to the playoffs, but I still, the games are really good. I mean, everything's been good. Whether you like the Astros and the Braves being in the World Series, the, the drama has been there. And, you know, there is momentum. They have hugely marketable stars in Fernando Tatis, Shohei Otani, these names that weren't on the radar a couple of years ago um, that they can do something with. And to, you know, I think it always just boils down to the perception that these negotiations are rich guys arguing over money that none of us will ever have. And, you know, to let that win out over momentum that they need, they they have to capitalize on, I think would be obviously a mistake and and sort of unconscionable. Uh, America got to see Juan Soto play a couple of years ago and loved watching him play. They're missing out on Ronald Acuna Jr., this time through because of the injury suffered back around the 4th of July. What does it tell us about the Braves that they're in this spot without having a great player like that in the lineup for almost three months? You know, I think my first instinct is is that they'll be back. Um, You know, I think they're going to be able to add a starter or two and pop in an MVP candidate like Ronald Acuna Jr. and and be formidable in a division that is not formidable. So, you know, they're not going to have to you know, really grind their way through a regular season. Um, so, you know, I think they'll be back. I think Anthopoulos knows what he's doing. You know, he has admitted that he got lucky at the trade deadline. He acquired a bunch of outfielders and all of them kind of fit and worked and produced, which doesn't always happen. Um, but I think he, he is a guy who seems to uh, kind of have a good feel for, for how to do this. He seems to have learned lessons from failure in the past and, um, you know, I think they're pretty well set to to be around for a while, much like those teams of the of the '90s. You know, I think these Braves might have a half decade, decade in them of of postseason runs. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, obviously in the '90s with the big three, especially on the mound, right? They could roll out you know anybody they wanted whenever they wanted. You felt like, well, they got a shot tonight. Uh, for Houston, uh, Correa, his his contract's up. Uh, for example, uh, do they have? A chance at continuing long-standing, or is this where the economics of baseball will start to unravel them a little bit? You know, I think they're gonna they're gonna unravel a little bit. I think Correa expects to go elsewhere. Um, you know, they'll keep Bregman and Altuve. Obviously, they've got Jordan Alvarez, who people should know he's an incredible <laughs> he's, hitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, look, I'm a Red Sox fan. Okay, that's where I grew up. Yeah, was yeah. in New England. You know. Okay, so no offense, but like, yeah, you know, when you're hitting five thousand in the playoffs, I think he's pretty good. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, just they're, they're loaded. Kyle Tucker is going to be an elite hitter. I mean, they're they're just you know dripping with offensive talent. They've got a lot of young starters who've now thrown a lot of postseason innings. Like, I don't think they're going away. 
but I think Korea is, is at the heart of a lot of what they do, a lot of their swagger, and it'll be interesting to see how they choose to replace them. You know, there's plenty of big-name free agents out there. Maybe they get a deal done. He doesn't seem to think, like, he'll be there uh, long-term, but, you know, I, I don't even know what they do with Dusty Baker, which sounds absurd after he leads them to a World Series, yeah. but... You know, he's not your traditional kind of new age manager, and they might want somebody like that. So it's it's going to be an interesting time, but they're not going anywhere soon. They're just going to kind of have to rework what they've got, I think. Yeah, well, that's interesting uh, because you're right. How do you rework it, especially after a year like this? Because there's always a temptation, you know this, where especially if the team wins it, there's this attachment to not want to get rid of players. And you and mm-hmm. I both know that's not always <laughs> the way, the way yeah. it's supposed to work out. A hundred percent. I mean, the Nationals, for example, give Steven Strasburg a massive extension. They didn't yeah. want to let him go, but that was a sentimental decision and, and not a baseball one. You know, they knew as well as anybody, if not better, that he would probably get hurt again, and, and he has, and he hasn't pitched. I think he's maybe won one game since the end of the 2019 World Series. So you can't get caught in those deals, and the, and the Cubs didn't do it. You know, the Cubs took a lot of you know stuff for letting Rizzo and Bryant um, go, but they they didn't want to overpay, and they didn't do it. And you know, we'll see what what comes of that. But uh, I do think sentiment gets in the way. You know, the Astros have been a team that's really been pretty numbers based, but you know, these guys are beloved there: Correa, Altuve, Bregman, and oh, yeah. um, they'll be. There'll be a lot of pressure to keep them around. I feel like Houston's become a baseball town. All those years of being a football town, then maybe the Rockets, I feel like they're a baseball town now. They certainly seem like it. I mean, they have some of the best crowds in the game, as much as people don't want to hear it. I mean, they're loud. They know what's going yeah. on. Like, they're they're into it. Yeah. Chelsea, it was an absolute pleasure. I, and when, yeah. when, when it goes to Atlanta, they'll cheer you. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chelsea. Great, great conversation. Chelsea Jane joining us from the Washington Post. It was so refreshing to talk to somebody with a positive outlook on life. <laughs> I had no idea about the thing with the with the Braves. That's funny. Oh yeah, yeah. She threw a ball, she threw a ball back and they booed her. It was like, oh jeez. Ah, boy. You know what's you know? I can only think of one thing worse than that, really. And that would be. Oh, booing Santa Claus. I mean, I'm sorry, you can't do that. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Try this one on for size. The Cleveland Indians announced the franchise will be called the Cleveland Guardians following the conclusion of the 2021 season. 
Well, today, a Cleveland-based roller derby team, also named the Cleveland Guardians, is suing the franchise in federal court in an effort to block their use of the name. Major League Baseball would never let someone name their lacrosse team the Chicago Cubs if the team was in Chicago or their soccer team the New York Yankees if the team was in New York, nor should they. Hunt and Andrew Kurth, lead attorney Christopher Pardo, said in a statement, uh, the same laws that protect Major League Baseball from the brand confusion that would occur in those examples also operate in reverse to prevent what the Indians are trying to do here. By taking the name Cleveland Guardians overnight, the Indians knowingly and willingly, willingly eviscerated the rights of the original owners of the name, the real Cleveland Guardians. The Cleveland ba- Baseball franchise used the name for 100 years before deciding to change it. As a result, the team announced that they would be transitioning to the Guardians following the 2021 season. According to the lawsuit, the Indians knew that the Guardians roller derby team also had the same name months before announcing the name change. The lawsuit also alleges that the Cleveland Indians lawyers made secret trademark filings on the small island of Meritus in an effort to hide the intent of the Guardians name and then reached out to let the roller derby team know of its plans. As a nonprofit organization that loves sports in the city of Cleveland, we are sad that the Indians have forced us into protecting our name that we've used for years, said Cleveland Guardians roller derby owner Gary Sweat. We know we are in the right, however, and, and just like our athletes do on the track, we put everything into this effort in the courthouse. <laughs> I see. Yeah, brother. I have one message for these people. Go take a hike. But they're not wrong. But I don't even know who the heck they even were until they pick a fight here with MLB. So stop. But it it depends on whether they copyrighted the name. If they copyrighted the name, the Indians have to pay for it. What What if it's copyrighted? What if it's a registered trademark? I guess by letter of the law, then yeah, but... By the letter of the law, that's why you have copyrights and registrations. I get it, but these people are just picking if, a fight. If they don't, then they don't have an argument. But if they did, then the Indians do owe them money. I mean, they really, because what's the use of having copyrights and registrations? 